Awesome. I hope that lasted for you Monday through Saturday until it brought you back today. Today we're going to take another step. We're going to keep looking at joy, 365, and uh, how does that happen in our lives so that it continues, that 365, that that, that message that angels brought to us about good news and great joy. Um, I want to start today by uh, kind of just unpacking what joy is. Uh, it was interesting, over the week I got an email or two and and uh, from some of our folks, and they said, well, Pastor, awesome message, but, you know, I don't always feel joyful. Can you tell me about what, what this joy is? So let me start by just trying to take you into some definitions from the Scripture of, of, of joy, of what joy is, and then we're going to look at, uh, okay, what do we need to do, and, and how is it supposed to work, and how do we maintain it? You ready to go? Here we go. If you go into, into uh, the Old Testament, uh, Joy 365 is, okay? You go in the Old Testament, the greatest example we've got, of uh, the kind of joy we're talking about is the experience of King David. And the, the moment happens when King David has decided that he's going to bring the uh, Ark of the Covenant, the, the God box, right, the symbol of God's presence in the world. He's going to move that and he's going to bring it from where it is uh, to Jerusalem. He's going to bring it into the city of, of uh, Jerusalem. So the day comes, and they start moving the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant. You know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody's seen Raiders of the Lost Arks? Yeah, okay, so we're talking about that box, all right? Just give you a worldly reference, you understand. So, okay, so you got this box, guys carrying the box on poles. They're marching toward the city of Jerusalem. All the people, of course, pour out. All the people pour out. And everybody's excited about the box coming in. And then here's where the text picks up, okay? David is walking in front of the Ark. And it says in verse 14 of 2 Samuel 6, it says, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. That's joy. That's joy. That's the Old Testament joy. The idea that... that Look at what David's doing. The idea that he is absolutely dancing before the Lord. And notice the text says he's not only dancing, but he's doing it with all his might. You see that? He is totally engaged. He is totally enthralled. His whole being is captured by the idea and the recognition and the focus that God is present in that moment. That's what the box represented. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of God's presence. So here's David, the box coming into Jerusalem. David stripped away all the other stuff. All he has on is a little covering. And he is dancing before the Lord with all his might. And the people are shouting and the trumpets are blowing. That's joy. Now you're sitting there right now saying, I'm staying in my chair. I'm not going to jump up and start right even though you're filled with joy. See, we hear this, we say, oh, well, okay, but I'm, I'm not real comfortable with the, that kind of joy. Right? I mean, our tradition is Lutheran, after all the background. Not real comfortable with the front row, and I'm not real comfortable with that kind of joy. Okay? That's the way it works. That's why we put that row there. We keep moving it forward so you get more back there. See? We know how it works. Anyway, 
joy, okay? That's the kind of joy the Old Testament talks about. So, so the question for us is, how do we get that kind of joy without jumping out of our seats and, and dancing around the office all day long, right? The question is, how do we get that kind of joy uh, into our life? The key is to notice what David is doing. He is dancing for joy with all his might because he is focused on the presence of God. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is grabbing his attention. He's not worrying about what he's wearing for the day. He's only got an ephod on. He's not worrying about what he's wearing for the day. He's not worrying about what other people think. He's not worrying about all that stuff. All he's focused on is God is moving into Jerusalem. And he is overwhelmed with joy. Now, we should know this is the definition of joy based on the verse we looked at last week. Remember, we ended last week with uh, Philippians 4. And Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And remember, we, we unpacked that verse a little bit and said it was a command, the Greek behind it, right? That God wants to bring this in our life. He expects to have it in our life, right? But notice what I highlighted for you today. That rejoicing that God expects is focused around whom? You see that? The presence of God in your life. Joy 365 comes because joy is focusing on the presence of Christ in your life. Joy is not dependent upon how you're feeling in the moment. It is only dependent on the reality that you know Christ and Christ is working in your life in that moment. See, so often for us, we think about joy and we, we well, pastor, I'm, I'm just not feeling joyful today. Well, joy isn't based on feelings. Happiness that's based on feelings, but biblical joy is not based on how you feel in the moment. Biblical 365 joy says it's not about how I feel in the moment. It's about knowing that Jesus Christ is in the moment. And when I know Jesus Christ is in the moment, I can be lifted above whatever is experienced, what's happening in that moment. You go to the New Testament and it talks about joy. When it talks about joy, it always seems to talk about joy in reference to the presence and the activity of God. That God has been doing something, okay? So we can go to, for instance, the experience of the prodigal son story. You know that story, right? Prodigal son gets his inheritance, goes to far land, spends it all, blows it all on while living, has a great time. Finally, he's eaten with the pigs and he says, my father's servants have better food than this. I'm going back to my father. He goes back to his father. Dad sees him from afar off. Dad runs up to his young son. He throws his arm around him, puts a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, you know, puts on new clothes. He rejoices. And then what happens? They have a party. Right? They have a party. They just get down and have a party. Kill the fatted calf. Get the music going. Start partying. That's New Testament joy. Do you realize Christians are party people? We are. We are like party people because that's joy 365. The difference for us is unlike worldly party, right? Worldly party lasts only a little while and then you wake up with a headache the next day. Worldly party is focused on me having a good time. 
Joy 365 focuses on understanding and knowing Christ is in the world and in my life. Knowing, focusing joy in, rejoicing in the Lord. Focusing that Christ is in my life. And knowing that, focusing on that, wells up within me and it affects how I feel. See, knowing that Joy 365 eventually gets around to molding our attitude so it focuses on Christ and eventually it goes in and it pours out. Remember last week? And the pouring out is now because of that. I start feeling joy. Feeling is the tail end. The beginning is focusing on the Lord. Rejoicing on the Lord. What does it mean for us? Observation. Joy 365 then is not dependent on the circumstances. See, that's what usually happens to us. Something happens into our life. And when something happens into our life, we receive that, a trouble, a trial, a disappointment, a heartache, whatever, and we don't feel good. Of course not. Those things hurt. They're horrible. I, I would never underestimate how difficult some of those things are, how disappointing they can be. But it doesn't affect our joy. Because our joy isn't dependent on the circumstances of the moment. We know we're going to have trouble. We know that. We can go into John 16. Jesus warns us about it. John 16. It says, I have told you these things, Jesus is talking, so that in me you may have peace. Now notice what he says. In this world you will have... See it? Does he understand the world we live in? He knows. He knows. It's a broken world. It's a busted place. Sin is in the world. We're going to experience difficulty. We're going to experience trouble. It's going to come our way. But that doesn't affect our joy. The question is not whether trouble will or won't come our way. It will come our way. The question is, how do we receive it and how do we get through it? James would say an amazing statement about our joy. You ready for James? James 1. He says this in verse 2. Consider it pure what? Joy. Something is supposed to be joyful. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete and not lacking in anything. Did you see what he just said in the beginning of that verse? Consider it poor joy. What's the it? Well, the it is that trials, troubles come into your life. James just told us that when trials and troubles come into our life, we need to consider them and receive them even with joy. Now, does that mean they won't hurt? Of course not. Does that mean they won't be a disappointment? Of course there'll be a disappointment. It's not easy. Troubles never are easy. But for us, our joy is intact. Our joy says, I'm going to consider this trial or trouble in light of Christ being in the world. Troubles will come our way. The question is, how do you receive the trouble? How do you consider it, is what James is saying. How do you view it? What is your attitude? What is your response to the trouble when it comes into your life? Let me give you an example. Uh, Coach John McKay from uh, USC uh, had a terrible humiliation for he and his team one day 
they lost the game 51 to nothing. Pretty bad? Yeah, pretty bad. 51 to nothing. Uh, they lost to Notre Dame, interestingly enough. Uh, God's team. But anyway, they lost to Notre Dame. Uh, so they think. And uh, McKay, you know, they're devastated. Can you imagine that? Losing 51 to nothing? So after the game, the, the team is in the locker room. They're all beaten up. They're sore. They're, they're discouraged. They're frustrated. All that you would expect, right? McKay is reported to have come into the locker room, stood up on the bench, and said these words. Men, let's keep this in perspective. There are 800 million Chinese who don't even know this game was ever played. <laughs> True? See, the question when trouble comes into your life is not whether it will or won't come. The question is, how do you consider it? That's what James is asking. James is asking. How do you receive it? How, what's your attitude towards it? What is your response towards it? Joy 365 has an attitude that focuses first and foremost on Christ and not the trouble. See, that's what we do. Trouble comes into our life. Where does our focus go right away? On the trouble. How are we going to get through this? How are we going to deal with that? What's going to be the outcome of it? We get focused and captured by the trouble. Joy 365 says, I'm going to receive the trouble. I'm going to consider it and say, you know what? Christ is in my life. Christ is in even this trouble. Christ is not abandoning me, and I am going to remember and focus on Christ. And that brings a joy that lifts us above the trouble. Nehemiah understood it. Nehemiah in Nehemiah 8 said to all the people of Israel, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some of those who have, uh, share with some of those who have nothing prepared. Then he said the key words, This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Where's your strength? Joy of the Lord. Do you see that? 365 joy. It's the focus in the midst of the challenge that says this challenge is not the problem. My rescue is in the Lord. He is my strength. He is my perseverance. That's what James was talking about. You focus on the opportunity of God in the midst of that experience and you get lifted up and say, I am going to persevere because God is in my... I am going to dance even in the midst of this trouble because Christ is in my life. And that attitude, that considering, lifts us above the problems. How does it pan out? What are the steps? Joy 365 then receives it, considers it, and takes the step to start, first of all, by remembering. Remembering God's faithfulness. Trouble comes in, it's going to come. You respond, you consider, remember God's faithfulness. Whenever trouble comes your way, remember that's what the Apostle Paul did. He wrote to the church in Philippi, and he wrote that letter to the Philippians when he was in prison. Trouble had come his way. And look what he said to, to the Philippians. I thank my God every time I do what? Remember you. See that? I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now being confirmed, confident of this, that he who began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. What is he doing? Paul is in chains, and yet his joy is intact. How come? 
He knows Christ is still working in his life and in the life of those Philippians. His joy is intact because he's focusing on Christ and he's saying God is not done yet. His joy is intact because he is remembering God has been faithful in the past and God will be faithful in the present. When trials come, we get focusing on the trials and the troubles and we forget it's not the first trial or trouble. Right? I mean, they come in bunches, don't they? And when they come, if you focus on the Lord, then you're going to focus on the Lord and say, you know what? I remember. I remember when I had this trouble and God rescued me. I remember when I had this challenge and God persevered through me. I remember when this challenge came into my life and God was there answering our prayers. You see, you need to start Joy 365 with remembering that God is faithful. We got this kind of phrase in pop Christianity out there, you know, saying, well, you know, God's not done with me yet. You heard that before? Right? God's not done with me yet. Well, there's some truth behind that, right? And the truth is, God's not done even when troubles come. God is still there. He is in this world and He is in your life. And remember how faithful He's been in the past. If you remember how faithful he's in the past, Joy 365 then moves you in the present to just trust God's promises. Rejoice in the Lord, right? And you rejoice in his promises. Philippians again, Paul is speaking to them. And notice what he said in that. He said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He is confident, what? That God is not done working. That God is going to work. God is going to keep at it. God is going to perform and fulfill His promises. When troubles come, they try to steal our joy. Joy 365 stays focused on God's ability to work in our life. Uh, Corrie ten Boom. Some of you may remember Corrie ten Boom. She was a prisoner of war in, in uh, World War II on the concentration camps. Uh, and she said a great thing. Uh, listen real close to this. You ready? She said... Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Did you hear that? Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. See, our response usually is to focus on the trouble. And we focus on the trouble, we get worried about it. And all that does is steal our joy. And when it steals our joy, because our joy is in the Lord, it steals our Strength, because our strength is our joy in the Lord. You see how that works? When troubles come, it's to consider it, remember what God has done, and hold on to God's promises. Philippians, Paul said, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's writing from prison, and he looks at his situation, and he says what? He considers it. He has an attitude that focuses on Christ and said, you know what, after all, this has been a great thing. This has been awesome because my imprisonment has now advanced the gospel. In the letter, he even says that because he's in prison now, somebody in Caesar's own household has heard the gospel about Christ. He can look at the trouble, he can look at the trial, he can look at the problem, focus on the Lord and say, God's not done working. And even my trial and trouble can serve him. Romans 8 says it as well. 
It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. Now, we need to be careful with this verse because we like the first half, right? God works for good for those who love Him, right? That's a great, great thing. But notice the second part of the verse. Who have been called according to His purpose. What does this mean? Absolutely, God is going to work in our life and God is going to work for our good as long as that good serves His purpose. You see the difference? Exactly. So when those trials come, when the challenges come, we focus on the Lord, our joy stays intact because we know whatever is going to happen, it may not go our way, but it will go God's way. It may not be everything we want, but it will accomplish God's purpose. And there's nothing greater in life than focusing on the Lord and being able to have our lives live to His glory. And that keeps our joy intact. It is to know that God is working in the middle of whatever it is. Hurts are going to come. You may lose your job in this economy. A lot of people have. And that's a hurt. That's a horrible, difficult thing. But you need to receive it, consider it, and say, you know what? Here's an opportunity for God to work a new thing in my life. It doesn't mean the end of something. It means the beginning of something new. And God is still working. When we face illnesses and challenges, is to remember, well, you know, this probably isn't the first time I've been sick or that I've faced an illness or a challenge. And God has been with me in the past. And God is going to be with me now. He's going to fulfill His promise. And He's going to work in my life even in this illness. And all of it is going to end up somehow to His glory. And that makes it okay. It is to understand our joy is intact because we focus on the Lord. And He's going to work. Now, here's the hard part. You ready for the hard part? If you're with me so far, the hard part of Joy 365 is letting God do the work. Letting God have the time to work. See, what happens when trouble comes into our life, so often we respond to that trouble and we want to take things into our own hands. We want to address the problem, solve the situation, get past it as fast as we can possibly get past it, right? And in the process... We get in the way of the opportunity for God to do what God wants to do. Joy 365 says, no, I'm going to step back. I'm going to focus on the Lord and I'm going to say, Lord, you use this moment. I'm going to consider it. Use this moment however you need to use it. Use this trouble however you need to use it. And you just keep your confidence in letting God do the work. Zephaniah. He says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Does it sound like God wants your life to be awesome? Even in your troubles, God wants your life to serve his purpose and be incredible. But you've got to give him the room and the opportunity to work. Paul understood it. Philippians 1, he said, Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Continue is a time word, isn't it? It's not like here and gone. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, God's provision, provision is an ongoing thing, and the focus is on Christ Jesus. Notice that. Provision of the Spirit of Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Will. 
is a process word, isn't it? It takes time. See, the problem is, in God's working in our life, it's not like a fast food drive through window where we can just pull up to God's drive through window and say, God, got a little trouble in my life. I want it God in the next, you know, three minutes. Can you do that? We need to give God time. And that's why He gives us joy. Because in the middle of that time, we focus on the Lord and our joy lifts us through the time. Our joy lifts us through the experience. Ultimately for us, how do we get through that time then? Last point. Joy 365 means we then offer praises in all circumstances. This is so key. We've already agreed, right? Troubles are going to come our way. Okay. When they come our way, we focus on the Lord. But what do we need to do? We need to focus on the Lord, get out of His way, and just focus on praising Him. The next time trouble comes your way, the next time you're struggling with something, I want you to just stop and praise the Lord. You know, the old thing we say with with kids, you know, fire, stop, drop, and roll, right? Yeah, stop, drop, and roll. Everybody knows that. Well, Christians, here you go. When trouble comes your way, just stop, drop, and praise. Okay? Stop, drop to your knees, and praise the Lord. That's what you need to do. Why? Because it focuses rejoicing in the Lord. And when you do that, you're going to give God the opportunity to work in your life and He's going to be able to lift your joy up. Because joy isn't about how we feel in the circumstances in the moment. It's about our attitude, how we receive it and consider it. And when we focus on God, He is going to lift us up and that joy is going to well up in us and even affect how we feel. Psalm 30 says, Sing the praises of the Lord, you His faithful people, Praise His holy name, for his, langer, his anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. God will move us to that rejoicing. Joy is the opportunity for us, even in the midst of our disappointments and our challenges, to dance. Even amidst the disappointment and challenge, to focus on God and just say, God, you are awesome. And to strip everything else away and just dance before the Lord and give Him time to do what He needs to do to move us through the challenge. Let's pray. Father, we know that we're going to face challenges. We know struggles will come. That's not the issue. What we pray about today is that you would help us stay focused in the right place. That we would, 365, just rejoice in the Lord. That we'd have that joy that's without ceasing. That joy that's not based on just how we feel, but based on considering and focusing and knowing that you're in the world. That's what Christmas is. You're in the world and you're in our lives. Help us to receive those challenges. Keep our joy intact. See them as opportunities for you to work. Give you the time to work. And in the midst of it all, just praise you. Just praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your promises. We lift all this before you. In Jesus' name, amen.